Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff Spirky Avashir, where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. Today's Mishnah is Chapter 1, Mishnah 14, Parakalaf Mishnah Yudalid. It's the end of Hillel's um, tri- trilogy of, um, of uh, peace Mishnayos and of his, um, of his position paper, really, of, of a description of who he was and what he dedicated his life to and what he was encouraging other people to dedicate their lives to. So in today's Mishnah, so the Mishnah, the Mishnah says, and it's the, like I mentioned yesterday, one of the most famous Mishnayas in Pirkei that the Mishnah says, who are you? I remember he used to say, continuing on with Hillel's dictum, im ena ni li, mi li. If I'm not for myself, then who's going to be for me? And when I am only for myself, then mo'ani, what am I? And if not now, when? Don't procrastinate. So the, the questions I think on the Mishnayas are, are obvious. The, the first question is, is that what's the connective tissue between, um, between one and two is pretty easy, but between one, two, and three, what, what is this business about imlo achshav emasai, that if not now, when? So then what, why is procrastination in this Mishnah? This Mishnah is really about, you know, about, about not being selfish, about thinking about other people, about also numbering, wondering, worrying about numero uno. Why do you need to add on don't procrastinate? Like I mentioned yesterday, don't procrastinate is a message that could be appended to any Mishnah. If not now, when? Why are we putting it in over here specifically? That's problem number one. Um, problem number two is that what's, the, what, what's he really trying to teach me? What's the, the full theme of the Mishnah? Um, is, there, is there, in fact, one theme of the Mishnah? And what is, what is this adding to what we already know about what Hill taught us? Hill taught us in the first Mishnah, that we have to be like the students of Aaron, we have to love peace and pursue peace. He taught us in the second Mishnah that right, that if you're into self-aggrandizement, it's not going to be okay, and all the way we explain that. Then what is he adding now onto this when he says, what's being added on into this theme of love and peace and worrying about other people, what is being added on to this? And then, as a final question, not really from the text, but, you know, the, there's a, a statement in the Talmud, in Sukkah, that says that when, on the Simchas Beis Shoeva, on Sukkot, when they would make this big party in the temple, and they would celebrate the drawing of the water ceremony, so it says that Hillel would come into the party, and Hillel had a special song that he would sing when he would come into the party. And his song was, Imanikan, Hakolkan, he would sing. If I'm here, everybody's here. Now, if you ask me for one statement that, you know, like, like, let's do a Sesame Street on this, like, which of these don't fit with the others, right? This does not fit with the rest of the things that are being said here. Right? With if I'm not for me, then who's going to be for me? Kishani la'atzmi mo'ani. And then imani kanakolkan, if I'm here, everybody's here. Ich bindu. Yeah, I'm here. 
I'm an epis, I'm here. Like, what is he saying? Can you imagine the scene in the temple? All the great rabbis are there. The entire Jewish people is gathered in the courtyard of the temple and they're, they're celebrating, they're singing and they're dancing. And in walks Hillel and he announces, if I'm here, then everybody's here. Like, it just doesn't fit. There's something wrong. What was Hillel saying in that dictum? Okay. So I'm hoping I can, to, again, get through all of this today. But, but let's, let's take a look at some very important things. The first thing is, let's define who are we? So we are not what we do. We've spoken about that. We understand that. We are not what we do. We are what we are. The famous story, they say it about the Kotzker, they say about it about it. many, many people, once one talking to a group of children, say, what do you do? So what, what do you want to be when you grow up? So a child says, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a lawyer. And the, he turns to the kids and he says, I didn't ask you what you want to do, I asked you what you want to be. We find this also by Rivka, that it says, Rivka, oh, Heves, she loves Yaakov. And it says by Yitzchak, it says that he loved Esav because of what Esav did for him. The Yitzchak loved Esav because of a thing. Rivka loved Yaakov because of who he was. That kind of love endures. We are unquestionably what we are, not what we do. We are not our professions. As we spoke the other day, we're not meant to find our satisfaction and meaning and definition of life based on our professions. We are who we are as human beings. We are who we are as people, as mentioned. All of that is beautiful. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> what are we really? So we look at our, we look at our talents. Let's say a person has a, has a chazan. Beautiful voice. So a person says, who am I? I'm a chazan. I'm a person that can sing. That's not who you are. That was the gift that you were given by God. Person is a, even a wealthy person. This person says, who am I? I'm a wealthy person. You're not a wealthy person. You're a person who's been given a talent from God. You've been given a gift. Person's a good, you know, a good tennis player. So you're not a tennis player. The tennis playing, the ability, the sportsmanship, the ability to be able to move yourself, that's a gift from God. That's not you. You are what you do with those gifts that you are given by God. You're given an ability to be able to, you're given a, a certain wisdom, a certain knowledge and understanding. What you do with that, that's who you are. And that is the, what defines you. What defines you is what you do with the potential, with the talents that you've been given. How do you develop those talents? How do you develop that when you recognize who you are, you recognize the talents you've been given and therefore understand that you need to do something with them? How do you develop them? How do you grow them? So it's only going to come from you. You have to be motivated. You have to realize that ultimately the motivation has got to come from me. It's got to come from within. Nobody else is going to push me. Nobody else is going to make me who I am. Okay, so when we're young, so then, you know, 
our mothers and fathers encourage us and they push us along. But at the end of the day, they can only push us to a certain place. The rest of what we do, the rest of what we accomplish has got to come from inside of us. When a person has no sense of self, no definition of self, so then they're always looking to the outside to motivate them. Tell me how great I am. Tell me how good I am. You tell me from the outside and then I'll be able to push myself. Hillel comes along and he says, step number one, you need to know, if I don't develop my talents, if I don't develop myself, if I don't build myself and do this for myself, nobody else is going to push me. Nobody's going to light my spark. Nobody is going to make me into who I am. Motivation has to come from inside of myself. Beautiful. Now I can speak for the next hour about that concept, about how motivation has to come from inside yourself. I would sound like, you know, like one of these, um, one of these motivating, motivating speakers. Great. It's wonderful. But, but it's much deeper than that. Because the question that we have to ask ourselves, and that Hillel is really forcing us to ask, as we're going to see, is how do we motivate ourselves? Great. Tell me I have to motivate myself. Speak to me for an hour about how it's got to come from within. Shkayach. Thank you, but you have done nothing for me. Because how do I motivate myself? And for that, I don't need an hour. For that, I need one sentence. Understand how important it is what you need to do. Because when you understand that something is valuable, critical, important, you have the energy to motivate yourself. You have the ability to be able to push yourself because every human being understands that when something is important, it needs to get done. Always, when I, when I speak about this concept, I always give a muscle. And I say, you imagine, you know, you talk to a teenager. You say to a teenager that you want to, you're going to wake them up at three o'clock in the morning. You're going to collect them. You're going to bring them to the base medrash you're going to learn with them. You're going to give them a good breakfast, and then you're going to learn more with them. And they will look at you like you are from another planet. They'll tell you, sounds like a great idea. Do me a favor. Let me know how it worked out. You tell a teenager, I'm waking you up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to pick you up, and we're going skiing. We're going to ski a whole day long, and then we're going to drive home six hours. And they'll say, no problem. Can you pick me up at two? And at two, they're going to be standing there waiting by the door. Well, you were late. What's the matter with you? Because when something is valuable and important, we have the ability to be able to overcome anything and to do and accomplish anything. Procrastination has nothing to do with poor planning and time management. Procrastination has to do with a lack of understanding that something is important. When we set up a list of things to do and we do number one and we do number three and we do number seven, but we can't get ourselves to do number two or number four, it's because we don't understand the value. Not that we just don't like it. We don't understand their value because if we understood their value, we really understood their value, then we would have motivation to do it. You know, Shlomo Melech speaks about laziness. 
And it's incredible to learn this in Bishlei. And Shlomo Melech says that Ariba Derech, that there is a, a lazy person, is a person, an Ish Atzel is a person that says that there's a lion in the road. So it always intrigued me. A lazy person says there's a lion in the road. Well, if there is a lion in the road, then the lazy person is not lazy. He's actually very prudent and wise. Because if there's a lion in the road, I would not suggest going outside. And if there's no lion in the road, then this is not a lazy person. This is a delusional person. And there's something wrong with him much deeper than the fact that he might be a little lazy. It's got nothing to do with atzlus, with laziness. So why does Shlomo Mel use as an example of what's an ish atzel? A person that looks out and says there's a lion in the road. Because there is no question. He's talking about a case where there's a lion in the road. And ish atzel looks at it and says, Baruch Hashem, I didn't really want to go anyway, and thank God, now I've got a good excuse. How come you didn't show up? There was a lion in the road. No problem. But the person who's not an sale looks at it and says, there's a lion in the road, but the lion is in the front of the house. I could go out the back door. I could get a helicopter to pick me up. I could do whatever it is, but the, not, the person who's not the lazy person, the person of energy who knows that what they have to do is critical, will find the energy to be able to do what they need to do. Nothing can stand in the way of a person. We have a statement which actually is not a statement from Chazal, but it is nevertheless a very important statement. It is not a Chazal. But there's nothing that stands in front of the will of a person. When, and the reason is, is when we understand that, that, that doing this particular thing is critical. That's when we have the energy to be able to do it. You know, the Torah tells us, Ushmartem es hamatzos, that you have to guard the matzah. So Rashi there quotes a chazal that says, Ushmartem es hamitzvos, because the word matzot and the word mitzvot is the same, same letters. What a cute thing, Ushmartem es hamitzvos. Why? What was wrong with Ushmartem as a matzos? What was wrong with just guarding the matzah? And that's what teaches me the mitzvah of Shmur matzah, that you have to you have matzah that didn't, didn't come in contact with water and all of that. Why did you need to turn that into a general thing that the Torah is telling us not only do you have to guard the matzos, but guard the mitzvahs? And then the Chazal continue and say that um, a mitzvah baliyotcha, when a mitzvah comes to your hands, al-tach don't let it become chametz. In other words, don't let, it, don't let it spoil. Great idea, again, but why teach it to me here when you're telling me about matzah, you're telling me about leaving Mitzrayim, why would you embed in that the mitzvah of this concept of mitzvah baliyotcha, when an opportunity comes to your hand, don't procrastinate, don't lose that opportunity. You know, the whole night of Pesach is characterized by one word called chipazon, the whole experience of leaving Mitzrayim was all about speed, alacrity, all about running out of Mitzrayim. Everything that we do, even the way we make matzos, we make matzos in 18 minutes, we do it all very, very fast. It's all about speed. Speed very often comes when you feel that something is important. It picks up the speed. You know, when you, when you hear a person talking fast, right, and they're just shooting things out, it's very often because they're excited about it, because they feel what they're saying, what they're doing is something very, very important. On Pesach night, when we left Mitzrayim, we were told that we have to, to leave with our, um, our belts on, our clothes on, as if we had one foot out the door. Again, to encourage us to feel this sense of importance, this sense of value. 
When a person has a great thing happen to them, they have to bring what's called a carbon toda. A carbon toda is a Thanksgiving offering. The Thanksgiving offering had to be brought with 40 loaves of bread. I don't care how much you like bread, you ain't downing 40 loaves of bread. With the amount of meat from a, you know, two sides of, of, a, of a goat, you ain't doing it. The only way you could have done it is if you invited a lot of people. And even if you invited a lot of people, even if they're fressers, you're going to have to, you're going to have to light a fire under them because they only have one day to eat it. They don't have two days like a normal, um, a normal peace offering. So what's going to happen? There's going to be this energy that's there. And they're going to ask you, how come we're here? Oh, and you're going to tell them because God did this to me, big miracle. And you're going to feel this sense of importance of the moment. And that importance of the moment is going to give everyone the energy and the speed to be able to do what they have to do. Because when we feel things are important, we have energy to be able to accomplish them. Ushmartem es matzos. Guard the matzos. Why are you guarding the matzos? Because it's critical. It's important. You know what? Now you're open to hear this. Let me tell you, apply this to everything you do. When you have a value in front of you, when you think that something is important, you will have the energy to do it. If you're not motivated to do something, before you go spend money on a psychologist, ask yourself, why don't you think that this is important? Oh, of course I think it's important. No, you don't. Because if you did, you'd have the energy to do it. And if you don't have the energy, barring physical reasons, but if you don't have the energy to do it, you've got to check your value. You've got to look at it and say, is this really something that I think is critical? And by the way, it makes a healthy person because you look at it and you go, no, I really don't think it's critical. Okay, good. Let me take it off my list. I don't have to always to, to look at this thing and have, it, and have it destroy me because I'm not doing it. It won't destroy me because it's just not important. Good. If it's not important, I take it off. But if it is important, then I will find the energy to be able to do it. When you see value, that's when you have energy to do something. You know, they tell over an amazing story. I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, but the point is great, but that there was once a, a prisoner, an Arab prisoner that was, um, that, that was in prison and his, he was sitting with his jailer. His jailer was obviously outside and he was talking to his jailer, to a Jewish guy. And the guy started eating. It was on Pesach, and he was eating chametz. He said to the fella, he said, you know, how are you able to eat chametz today? Isn't it your Passover? Yeah, he said, yeah. That doesn't really make a difference. So he looks at him, and he says, we're going to win. He says, really? It's like, where'd you get that from? Because I'm having a bagel? Like, where did you get that from? He says, because you don't believe in who you are and what you're protecting, we believe wholeheartedly in, the, in Israel. We believe wholeheartedly in what it is and what it is that we want. That's what gives energy when you understand that something is valuable. You know, today, Yom Zikaron is a day where we remember not only, not, not only the present, but we remember the history of the Jewish people and the history of the Jewish state. We remember all of those soldiers, all of those that gave up their lives, not that gave up their lives for a piece of real estate, but that gave up their lives for things that they believe in. You know, when, you, when you hear the stories, when, when you hear the, the, the stories and you meet the personalities there was a deep belief, well, not religious necessarily, 
but a deep belief in the values of the land of Israel. When you have a deep belief, you have energy to be able to protect. You have energy be able to be able to defend. You have energy to be able to do things that you wouldn't normally be able to do. You know, there's a thing running around now from the Baal Shem Tov, they're quoting other people also, but that there are seven things that you learn from a thief and that you can learn from everybody, but even a thief has something to teach us. So one of them is, is that a thief is discreet. Now this is, by the way, a great subject of, a, of its own sheer, but you know, the things that I learned from, from my Ghanaf neighbor, right? But, but, there's, but there's important messages to learn. The one is, is that he's discreet. He never talks about what he's doing. And, and when he does, he usually, you know, he's, he's usually the, the shlamazel. The second is, is that he's fearless, takes risks, and that we learn how to take risks. Just watch a thief. The third is mindful of details, crosses his eyes and dots his T's if he's going to be a good thief. The fourth is that he's patient and he's willing to put effort into things. And the fifth is that he doesn't procrastinate because he believes in what he's doing. If you would ask a thief, Zagmir, you want a different job? No. What kind of want a different job for? It's great. There's a, not such job security, I understand, but it's a great job because he believes in what he's doing. And when you believe in what you're doing, you have the energy to do anything. That's what Hill is telling us. If you don't believe in you, then me, Lee, who's going to believe in you? Your mother? Only up to a point. Your father? Your spouse? Only up to a point. You have to believe in what you're doing, in who you are, in the contribution that you make to this world, in the value that you have. And in Ein Ani Li, if you're not going to motivate yourself, if you're not going to recognize your own importance, then me, Lee, it's not going to come from externals. It's not going to come from outside. And that's what Hill was saying to us. Hill was saying when he walked into the party, Im Ani Kan, if every single person here would bring themselves into this, would believe in themselves, then Akolkan, then we would have a powerful entity here. We would be an incredible people. If everybody believed and motivated themselves, if everybody believed in who they were and the value that they added inside of this klal, inside of this kahal, inside of this congregation, this people called the Jewish people, so then we would have an amazingly powerful people because every single person would have an energy that would be an unstoppable energy. But if my definition of the word ani stops at my mirror, if it's only me when I say the word I, you know, when you marry and you say the word I, it's the royal I, you know, it means we, it means me and my spouse. 
when you have a family and you say the word I, you're not talking about yourself. You're talking about everybody behind you. You're talking about those that rely on you. Our job is to make that word I massive. That when I say the word I want, I am going to, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about many, many other people. We try to make that I as inclusive as possible. Kishani, the one that I'm trying to motivate and I'm trying to recognize the value is only lots me. It's only about me. Then ma'ani, my ani is nothing more than just gaiva and haughtiness. It's not real. Because it's motivated only to push myself, only to build myself. But when my understanding of my importance and value and the role that I play here is about you, it's about others, it's about I play a role and so do you. And therefore, if I push myself, you can come along on my coattails. You'll also be motivated. My motivation will be infectious and will deal, will, will help you also. If I can get myself to that place, then that's great. Hakol can. But if not, then Moani, what am I? Imloi Achshov, and if not now, Emasai. So I've been describing that as procrastination. And I don't think that that's what Hill is telling us. I think the procrastination is in Imenani Li. If my me, if I don't understand my importance, I think what Hill is telling us in these last words. That if I don't grab onto my inspiration now, then Amasai, when is that going to happen? You know, we have epiphanies. We have things that happen in our lives that turn us on, that motivate us. You hear a shir like this, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're open. And I'm not saying that nothing to do with me, but just the, the, the ideas are like phenomenal. You, you take this and you say to yourself, you're right, you know, I've, that thing that I always hated doing, I've got to learn how that's important and motivate myself. Okay, geschmack. But if you don't do that now, then Amos said, when's that going to happen? There are windows that open in our lives and that we have opportunities to be able to walk through those windows. We have opportunities to be able to walk through those doors. But if we don't grab them, we lose those moments. It says that a shivcha shebiyam the maidservant on the sea saw a, a prophecy greater than the greatest prophets in the Jewish people. That is my God and I will glorify him was said by every person at the sea. They saw God. And yet, what do we call? We call her Shifcha Shabiyam, maidservant by the sea. If she saw a vision of God, she's not a maidservant, she's an Aviyah. It's a prophetess. Why don't we call her the prophetess by the sea? Why are we referring to as a maidservant? Because the next morning when she woke up, she did nothing to change her life. We, Claudius, did nothing to say, do you know what we just experienced? Now we need to be different. And therefore she blibed a maidservant. She stayed as a shifcha shebiyam. We stayed as servants on the sea. We didn't motivate. We didn't change ourselves. We didn't grab that moment and say, I've got to do something with myself. That's why the Nazir, there are two passions in the Torah that are next to each other. 
the Nazir and the Sota, the suspected adulteress. And our rabbis tell us why the two parshas next to each other, because if you see a suspected adulteress die on top of the altar, then you have to become a Nazir. You have to take a vow of abstention from wine. So they ask the question, wait a second, why should the person who saw, you know how dramatic that is, watch a lady explode on top of the altar? Like it's scary, like anything. It's, it's dramatic. You're, never, you're going to look at that and go, hey, I ain't getting involved. And if you were involved in something, you'd say, you know, I'm going to stop it today. Like you wouldn't have a motivation problem. When you see a person blow up because they just had an affair, you're going to be the purest. You're going to be like a nun. You're going to be the purest person in the whole world. It's the person who never saw that, who hears about it, who never saw the drama in front of their eyes. That person is the person that should become a Nazir, not the person that saw it. So our rabbis tell us a beautiful thing. The person that never saw it, it made an impression on them. If they do something about it, it'll always stay by them. The person who saw it with their eyes, if they don't change their lives at that moment, you know what's going to happen? They're going to say, oh my God, I'm a different person. I'm a different person. I'm never going to see the world the same again. Yeah, 15 minutes later, they'll be right back to where they were. Because if you don't memorialize something, you don't grab it, that moment, and do something with that moment, that moment is going to disappear, and we're going to lose that opportunity. And that's what Hill is telling us. Hill is telling us, if motivation is great, you need to motivate yourself. You need to understand how important things are. Don't just do it for you. Do it for the Jewish world. But do it now. Because if you wait till tomorrow, it's not going to happen. The biggest enemy of the Jewish people is Mocher, tomorrow. Ah, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start that tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And when you say you're going to do it tomorrow, tomorrow is never going to happen. Today, this moment is the moment we have to grab. Okay, I will tell you that I'm not done. I still have, I still have some, some things to, to put into this um, because... Because it, I, we need to wrap up. Why does Hill say this here? Because the other two Mishnahis were really important. How does this fit in to the whole concept of, of peace, of shalom, of oiv shalom, v'rodev shalom, loving peace and pursuing peace and worrying about other people? And I did not spend any time on how do you achieve kishani la'atzmi mo'ani, that if I'm only worried about me, then where am I going? How do I motivate myself to recognize the importance of worrying about other people. I want to spend more time on this tomorrow. I'm going to talk about it tomorrow in the context of um, Yom Atzma'ut, believe it or not, um, and, and of the concept of the, of the um, intolerance and, and hatred that exists amongst the Jewish people and what Yom Atzma'ut should be symbolizing and what the, what the mood and mood of Yomat's mood should in fact be. And we'll talk about that tomorrow.